Laura Heffernan is the award-winning, internationally best-selling author of fun, witty, romantic comedies and more serious women's fiction. After a few years of participating law, she realized that she much preferred arguing with her characters rather than other people. It's easier to win that way. When not watching Total Strangers Get Married, drag racing queens, or cooking competitions, Laura enjoys board games, travel, baking, and more board games. (laughs) She lives in the Northwest with her husband, the world's most active toddler, and two furry little beasts. Some of Laura's favorite things include goat cheese, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Battlestar Galactica, the Oxford comma, and ice cream. Not all together. The best place to find her is usually on Twitter, where she spends far too much time tweeting about writing, Canadian chocolate, board games, and reality TV. Laura wears contacts, but Ada wears glasses. Oh. So completely different. <laughs> I look completely unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Adabelle is an award-winning and internationally best-selling author who thought it would be cool to have a secret identity when writing mysteries. After all, who doesn't want a secret identity? She doesn't remember where the idea for Sherry B. Grove Mysteries started, but she freely admits that Kyle is based on a certain precious toddler in her own life. Ada loves Scooby-Doo superhero movies, STEM heroines, and cake. Hmm, cake. Listen, I am not a cat. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That lawyer thing, is that ever hilarious? It's like, I, I had to look it up. It's like, that's obviously a cat. What do you mean you're not a cat? I tried to find a cat for the start of our conversation, but all I could find was a unicorn. Um, so I am what I call a recovering lawyer. Lived, uh, this is why you're not a cat. I get it now. <laughs> I'm not a cat. Exactly. I'm, rec- I'm recovering cat. I'm a recovering lawyer. <laughs> Well, I graduated college and I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so that's really, that sounds terrible, but I, I realized that I had a criminal justice degree um, just because of all the classes I took. Those were what interested me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read all the classics in high school and I was not interested in having an English <laughs> degree, reading them all again. Oh, and right. Right. <laughs> And I wanted, you know, so many people say, oh, you'll never get a job if you major in philosophy. You'll never get a job if you major in English. You'll have to be an English teacher. And so, uh, well, you know, I'd like to have a job. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got my degree in criminal justice. I do have a minor in humanities, though, which I've never used. But um, I did enjoy reading all the plays. That was nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't ready to pick a career. And I, so many, so many people back then said, oh, if you have a law degree, you can do anything. That was true until everyone got a law degrees and that made it harder. Um, well, sure. The market saturated, right? Just like anything else. But it, I did really enjoy the learning. Um, the classes were fascinating to me. Like there's a lot of good stuff. The case studies. Yeah. The case studies. Yeah. But what would, what would have been one of the most interesting case studies? You know, it's funny, the one that sticks out at me after all this time as like the most interesting case was the the McDonald's woman who spilled coffee on herself. Mm. 
um, which everybody talks about that case and they all, you know, it's a big joke, but if you read what really happened, it was horrible. Like she was seriously, seriously injured. Um, not just because the coffee was coffee tempter. I mean, I'm drinking coffee right now. We know it's hot. No, it was like almost 200 degrees. Like it was well above what it should have been. And they knew it was too hot and they knew it could burn people. And they, they chose not to fix it. Um, that wow. was, so we read that case probably like three or four years after it happened. And that was, it was in everybody's head. It was the big, oh, we need tort reform because this woman got so much money for suing McDonald's. Like her medical bills were hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it was, it was really bad. Well, and you see the, the spin that was put on it though. Uh, you know, and this is when we talked about, you know, kind of what marketing and media does mm-hmm. is that that was stupidity and human error. And that a corporation should not be meant to um, pay for somebody's stupid mistake. That's perspectively, not to say that that is the case, but that's, no, but that's exactly the perspective. What we, all thought when we read it going right. into the class. That's what everybody thought. Yeah. And so, was it just the injury, or was it just the the actual knowing and neglectfully not doing anything? Uh, it was a combination of both. It was the extent of her injury and that they knew how bad it could be and didn't do anything about it. They had gotten many, many complaints in the past. Really? Mm-hmm. So again, it was one of those things that you really need to be listening to your customer and be proactive with things. It's a hard message, especially when it hits the pocket. <laughs> it's a hard message, but it's important. Yeah. Know your audience. Listen. That see, that's not that's a wonderful message, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Let's take that out of it. <laughs> it cost me ten billion dollars. <laughs> you know, but look at how many people are getting educated as a result. You know, that's <laughs> true. Mystic Pieces was the book that I read. The town, that's this cutesy Shady little Grove. town, is Shady Grove. Mystic Pieces by Ada Bell. Allie doesn't believe in psychics. Too bad she just had a vision. Allie's got enough on her plate with finishing her degree and taking care of her nephew and starting her new job at the antique store while drooling over the owner's gorgeous son. No time for visions. Alas, the universe doesn't care what Allie believes. When she turns 21, she starts to feel psychic impressions left on objects. A disorienting power for someone surrounded by antiques. Then cranky customer Earl is killed and Allie's new boss, Olive, is the prime suspect. Not to mention the only person who understands Allie's gifts. Who hated Earl enough to kill? Police would rather make a quick arrest than investigate, so it's up to Allie to clear Olive's name. Shady Grove is reeling from the first murder in decades. If Allie can get her hands on the right object, she'll know what happened. Can she learn to control her visions before the killer sets their sights on her? This is not the only book series that you write. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Boston for a long time after law school. Um, I've my favorite city actually i love it so i have a lot of romance novels that i write chiclet and rom-com that are largely set in boston because that's i love boston but when i met my husband i moved to albany new york um, because that's what love does it takes you out of the best city in the world and puts you in upstate new york which is very cold and so i write i have a a couple of uh, rom-com series published through kensington But when I decided that I wanted to do um, paranormal cozy mysteries, uh, which I love, they're shorter. So they're not 
traditional publishing isn't as interested in the the 50,000 word two three hour reads you know they want the longer books um and they I wanted to be able to do something quick and fun um Annabelle is is separate because partially because my um the traditional stuff you know anything under Laura Heffern and they get first crack at okay um but since I switched genres and everything then I'm allowed to do these um so Ada Bell is based on Ada Lovelace, who was a scientist who helped create the first computer. Oh, yes. And, and um, Bell is for Kristen Bell, my favorite detective, Veronica Mars. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's where I got them. Um, because my main character, Allie, is a scientist who solves crimes. So she is named, put it all together. I really like Allie. Let's talk about the character development around her. Allie was fun. Um, I don't, it's like, I thought of her first, like she was in my head for probably months before I even started to write a story. Um, just thinking about, you know, what if you discovered you had psychic powers, but you don't believe in psychics and that causes kind of a disconnect. Well, and, and, and the disconnect being that she's very much, she believes in scientific theories, you know? Right. So she has to test her psychic powers. Um, that was fun. So I, I like science. I'm a big nerd. Um, I like sci-fi. I like math. I like math a lot. Um, so there's a lot of me that I got to put in Allie, which was fun. I like um, the I uh, like... the counting via periodic table. <laughs> like, it's to calm you down. It's just a little, a little giveaway, but it won't hurt anything. You know, recitation is good for you. <laughs> you repeat <laughs> things that's soothing, you know. <laughs> it's works. like I'm learning the elements through you. Thank you very much. Um, I, I admit some of them I had to look up spellings and stuff. I don't I don't actually have the periodic table memorized, unfortunately. <laughs> well, Allie does. <laughs> she does. She knows it all. She's a science, she's a biology major. Yeah, uh, there you go. So she moved to Shady Grove because her sister-in-law died and she wanted to help her brother out. Um, he was actually living close to New York City, but he moved north for the memories um, or to get away from the memories and to be near family, which is something you'll learn in book two. So oh. it is largely based on the, uh, on the area I'm in. Um, I'm a little bit North of Albany. We have a lot of trees and it's very, I don't know. There's the interesting thing um, about this area to me is there's a lot of like neighborhoods. I grew up in California where we don't have the same thing, I guess. I don't know. It's just different. Like there's a town center and the town center has all the shopping and all the, if you, you don't ever need to go anywhere, but the town center to get 90% of what you need. Right. And so even though we're in, you know, we're 20 minutes from a major town and 20 minutes from Saratoga, which is also pretty big, like it has a very small town feel, I guess, to me, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, That's a nice so feeling. It's a very, you know, it's, it's everybody, everybody knows everything. It's a very cozy feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like home, which is nice. It doesn't feel like just one person in a massive area. Like I grew up in Sacramento and I would drive 25 minutes to the mall to get literally whatever I wanted. Yeah. But it was a drive. It's not it like a, a five minutes or a 10 minute walk. Building of Shady Grove and the building of the character, um, the Ali's character. I mean, there's some other characters in the book that are extremely significant. Uh, the fact that you've immediately at the beginning of the book, 
there's a strategy that you've used and um, there's a catalyst. Uh, Well, one of the things I always wanted to do was to have a full series, like with a, with an overreaching arc. Um, So the sister-in-law was what put her in Shady Grove. Mm -hmm. And then as she learns to use her powers, they help her. Like in the second book, uh, The Scry's the Limit, she's learning how to scry um, for one thing. And then she realizes that that can help her with another thing. And it just kind of fits all together. Yeah. So right now you have it planned for three books in this series? Um, I have four. I said, well, it's really three and a half. I'm doing a novella this summer as part of an anthology. That's oh, really very good. Yeah, and that's going to actually introduce a character who well, I, I'm hoping will have her own spinoff series. Um, in my head, though, there's a lot more books and there is time to write them. <laughs> we'll see how that works. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, um, I have five books planned out plus the novella. Okay, so how are how are you going to position the novella then? Is it going to be a something that you can use as a standalone, something that you can use in a newsletter to draw attention? Um, initially, it is only going to be part of the anthology because the deal was that the anthology is going to go in Kindle Unlimited. So that kind of, for the first three months, I'm committed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I'll take it out and I'll put it up everywhere. And I am going to give it away to people who subscribe to my newsletter. Um, and the intent... I want it set so you, I want it to make sense to people who haven't read the other Shady Grove books, but I couldn't make it a prequel like a lot of people do for for novellas because a prequel of Allie, um, well, she doesn't know she has powers yet, and she's going to community college, and um, it's not going to be as interesting. I just I couldn't find a way to fold that in. Um, so it's instead you're meeting a new character, Emma, who is a witch. Hopefully, and like I said, that should springboard her series, which is going to be more paranormal women's fiction. I guess to me, they're not that different. Like Chicklet and Pear and Cozies have really strongly the same vibe. Okay. Um, similar light, fun, fluffy voice, um, at least for me. So essentially, uh, what does make them different? Uh, well, there's there's murder in the Cozies. <laughs> that's that's really the difference. Murder and magic. Um, I don't have any magic in my in my Chicklet or rom com. Okay. Um, although I do, I have read some, um, like Allison Winscotch has a couple with magic that I really like. So I do enjoy magic, um, but I haven't gone there with the chiclet. We met in the Wide for the Wind group. And mm-hmm. Wide for the Wind is very much about, um, you know, self-publishing, going as wide as you can, not being exclusive to a publisher, not being exclusive to Kindle. And so there's some differences here in in your experience. And I I just wanted to get a sense of, uh, you know, kind of where your journey as a writer has taken you because, I mean, you're not adverse to these things and you're still open to the, the information that's being provided in the Wide for the Wind group. So do you want to share some of your experience there? Um, I, I do generally think you want to be as wide as possible and have as many income streams as you can get. Um, I started out with going for traditional publishing, just, you know, growing up for me, that was the only option really. Like that was, you know, I grew up in, in the age where you didn't self publish and you didn't date on the internet. <laughs> you know, and, and now we invite strangers over and drive them around in our cars, but you know, right? the world has changed. So much. <laughs> 
So, what, you know, to me, that was always, you know, I was writing stories, five, six, seven. It was always, I'm going to be a published author. I'm going to have books with Random House because that's the only publishing house I could name when I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was following that path. And, and I, I have an agent. I still have an agent. Um, she's working with me on some stuff. And I have the, and I do have the traditional books. And so to me, it's two very different things. I know some people really like to publish on their own because they want to be in control of everything. I do not want to be in control of everything. There are things I am very good at and there are things I am not good at at all. Um, and I, one thing I'm good at is knowing my weaknesses. I like having a team around me. I like having people say, no, that cover idea is terrible or wow, that looks great. Um, I like having somebody else to write my blurbs for me. Um, Oh, I'm pretty proud of the one from Mystic Pieces, but generally that's not a strong thing for me. Um, I like having other people help out with the marketing side because I, that's just not something that I am, I'm, I'm learning. I'm much better than I used to be, but starting out, I would have been so completely lost trying to do it all myself. Yeah, um, it can be very overwhelming. And that's the, one of the biggest things I think um, self published individuals find is that there there's so much information out there and there's so much you can pursue uh where do you go first and why what is like why would I go this way versus that way and it takes so much time to figure it out and when I get overwhelmed I freeze yeah so if I have that many options and that many things like I just get petrified so I, I had my publisher and, I, and my agent and I'm generally very happy with that. Like I said, because I like having my team, mm-hmm. um, which I know we talked about before too. I'm, I'm very big on sharing the wealth and sharing the, the work. Um, I think I'm a socialist and that's okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, so I was invited to join an anthology a couple of years ago um, where everyone was, we were all writing independent books in a shared world. So mm-hmm we had one cruise ship and everybody had different people who were on that cruise ship and we were writing their stories and we nice. group, it was great. It was so much fun. But I think what helped me out is while we were doing that, um, you know, we all read and edited each other's. We all swapped work. We had one person make the covers. We had one person do the formatting. We all shared all the marketing load. And as we were doing that, that let me learn the, the indie side with support. Suddenly I had what I needed, which was a team to tell me what I needed to do. So what was the name of that anthology? Uh, The Oceanic Dream Series. Okay. Uh, My book is called Time of My Life, which is a twist on Dirty Dancing. Oh, I love it. The second book in the series. You can read them in any order. It was so much fun. I (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I would have done it, honestly, without that. I was so scared. But then from there... Um, I finished that and I said, you know, I have these books that I wrote, you know, they're just sitting here, you know, for one reason or another. So let's pull these out and let's shine them up and, and put them, get them out there. Right. They're not doing me any good sitting on my hard drive. Um, so that was when I started publishing the, the women's fiction that I had done. And I think too, those books had been like, my agent had read them. She had edited them. Like, so I already knew they were pretty good. And I think that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I needed. I guess I needed a lot of handholding, and I know a lot of people who publish on their own are are very type A, and they don't need that. But I do. <laughs> I'm getting better. But um, at the same, did, so, at the same time, you did self-profess that knowing your weaknesses was the key, and uh, you know, knowing 
that you wanted help with those things and, and were willing to accept the help is, is a lot of times people don't even go into it knowing any of that. Well, that's true. That, that is very helpful. And so I have a good team now. Um, I had many years of meeting other writers and making friends and swapping work and finding, you know, people who are good editors. And so, and you know, that all helps, you know, the, the person who formats my books is we've been friends for six or seven years. Oh, good. Um, and we were querying together and she branched off into indie a couple of years before I did. She's been actually very successful. She's very good at it. Um, and I just, she, she wanted a Mac and I had one I was getting rid of because I was upgrading. So I sent her my Mac and now she formats all my books for me. <laughs> Not a bad trade. It was like a 10 year old laptop. Like I'm surprised it still works. I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's I was going to donate it. So how long have you been writing for? I mean, I, I first started writing short stories when I was five. Oh. <laughs> I put on, I published a play. We put on a play in sixth grade called The Shot in the Dark that I did. It opened with a bang. Oh, <laughs> that's all I remember. I'm pretty sure it wasn't very good. But that's all I remember. It was a mystery. That's um, well, it's still at that age. I mean, it's like <laughs> you already already picked a genre. That's all I can. I liked Murder She Wrote. I liked Matlock. I don't know. <laughs> I know those shows. You know what that tells you. <laughs> um, so, but I so I started seriously writing novels in 2014. Okay, and my first book was published in 2017 which wow that's four years ago okay and so what is the name of the series we could find with the traditional publishing the the first one is the reality star series uh, and the second is the gamer girl series uh, which is people who fall in love playing board games wow that's how I met my husband (laughs) oh wait no where would you have met your husband playing board games uh we were just we were both invited to an event. It was just a play games all day. It was actually a play games all weekend thing, but it was near my house. So I only went for an afternoon and he happened to be there and that's where we met. Nice. So what game were you playing? Uh, The first game we played together was called Agricola, which is hardcore strategy. (laughs) It's not really romantic. (laughs) You're pretending to be farmers and you're trying to uh, grow wood and feed your family. (laughs) I came in dead last. I remember that. (laughs) It's a good game, I promise. Competitive? Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, that's fantastic. A little bit of a a love story there too. (laughs) So what's the other series that you have? Um, The Reality Star series was my first book. That's about a girl who applies for a reality show or auditions, I guess, because she's broke and she needs the money. Um, and that was actually inspired by a friend of mine who was on a reality show on ABC. It's, it only had one season, so a lot of people have, don't remember. But I think it's actually available for streaming now because because of the pandemic. The Glass House. The Glass House. Uh, my best friend was on that show, and so um, that just uh, that just got me thinking about you know, what kind of show would I want to be on, or let's 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 follow someone. And that's more traditional chiclet in that it's three books follow one person and her story. Uh, whereas the Game of Girl books look at three different couples. Was it hard to pick your genres or were they picked for you? Um, I write what I read. So it's pretty easy. It's just, it's what I like the most. 
Um, I've, I've always gravitated towards the light, fun stuff. I mean, I can read whatever, you know, but. So uh, do you write uh, only female characters? Um, I have thus far stuck with female point of view. Yes. It just feels more natural to me. And I personally prefer books that are only from one person's point of view. I know both mm. are, is very popular in romance, but for I like just being in one person's head. I think a lot of times when you know both sides, some of the, the mystery has gone. And you write primarily in what point of view, like third person, first person? Usually first person past tense. Okay. Um, I've tried first person present tense and I find that it naturally reverts. Like when I start really, when I really get going and I'm just letting the words flow, I'll go back and read it and I'll find a lot of EDs where there should be ESs. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's tough for me. I, I have done some stuff in third person. I prefer first. I think it depends on the genre. Um, I actually, I tried a bunch of stuff. I started, I've used Caliber and Caliber works for many things. And I tried draft to digital's free tool and okay. I tried read these real t- free tool. And the problem I had with all of them is when you insert your own chapter header images, mm. um, it created a page break after. So I just have, an image by itself in between each chapter on the page. And that's okay because I have somebody who formats for me now. And um, yeah. And, and she's probably told you what she needs in the format of the file too, that makes it helpful. So it, it's nice when all of those checks and balances and uh, everything's in place. And it, it's a good team that you've built then with her. Do you have other have members a- of, of your team as well? Um, well, I have my cover designer, who I would be completely lost without, um, Victoria Cooper. Um, she's done all of my covers for the the paranormal. But so, yeah, my cover designer is amazing. And I so I am not good at art stuff at all. Um, I wasn't even really able to articulate what I wanted. So I basically said, I need a paranormal cozy cover. I like your work. And she was referred to me by somebody else and she did one of my chiclet covers. So we'd worked together before. And I basically said, I have no idea what I need help. And she came up with the whole concept on her own. All I had to do was tell her what the book was about and what colors I liked. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I personally need. So is she doing more than one cover for you at a time? Uh, she did uh, the first three Shady Grove books together, and I'm going to probably have her do the next two or three all at once, too. Yeah, so do we have um, I wanted many- to make sure they were cohesive as a series, and I thought it, since I knew what they were, I thought it'd just be easier to have her do them all at once. Yeah, very good. Yeah. If you were to offer any tips to other writers, maybe who have not yet published, what would you suggest? Probably the best thing I can recommend is to make friends with other authors. Um, and you want you want friends who are where you are so you can commiserate and um, learn from each other. But it does help to have some friends who are a little bit ahead of you, too. You need that network. You need that support group because writing is very solitary um, and it gets hard. You're in your head all the time. You need somebody, you need other people you can just be with, just know that they support you even when they're off writing on their own and you're off writing in your own. Yeah. So community and tribe, but also mentorship. Yes. yes. So and where, where have you found those? Um, I entered some querying contests when I first started out. 
Um, well, you know, the big one is pitch wars. So pitch wars is a mentoring contest mm-hmm. where there are probably a hundred mentors at this point or even more. I don't know. Um, but everybody, each mentor picks a manuscript from somebody who wants an agent and they're, the mentors are either agent interns or editorial interns mm-hmm. or published authors, traditional, some are published indie authors, um, but they all have the experience doing it. and you get the queries from the writers, read over the queries. You pick the ones you want to read more of, just like an agent would. You have them send it in and you go to, you sit down with them and read the book. I, I was a mentor for a few years and I would read that book probably three or four times giving like big picture feedback and then high, you know, just getting more nitty gritty until it was as good as I could help them get it. So it's almost like doing, um, you know, a, a media kit with uh, three pages of uh, like an advanced reader copy before submitting an advanced reader copy. Yep. And then they say, yep. if they want to interview you, basically they want the whole advanced reader copy instead of just the, the media kit and the teaser. Right. Okay. So, and then not every manuscript is picked by someone. Unfortunately, no. So, yeah. so a lot of the mentors will give feedback on the ones they don't pick. Um, and there were some, like, I remember one year I read one and I was like, this is so much better than anything I could write. There's no way I could possibly help you. And then she signed with an agent, like before we picked, and I was like, I told you that this book was so good. You didn't need my help. Uh, Um, Gee, I'd like to be that author. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) Um, so that was part of you building a, a tribe and a community and, and also being a mentor. Yeah. I mean, that was really about giving back too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I started out in the contest on the other end, applying and entering. And that's where you're on Twitter on the hashtag talking to other people who joined, or sometimes they'd have, um, sometimes they'd have chat rooms. Sometimes they'd have, now there's a lot of Facebook groups um, where you can share what, you know, here's my entry let me see yours and you give feedback and share. And if you don't get in, then you can talk about why and how to make it better. And it's just, I didn't realize how much I would learn from reading other people's work until I started doing it. Giving back is, is extremely important to you, but when did it occur to you that this would be part of what you did? It was after I signed with my agent before I got my first contract and to be honest, it was less about giving back and more about not freaking out about the fact that I was trying to sell a book. It was all about keeping busy. Um, but as I was looking for ways to keep busy, then I was looking at, well, what can I do to help other people? Yeah. I just kind of morphed from there. Um, it takes a long time to find an editor sometimes for your books. It actually took us 18 months, uh, which is not unusually long. It's a little long, It's a little, but it's not... You know, I know people have spent years, three, four years looking for their editors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of time when you're trying not to panic. So having other things to do, helping other people made me feel better during that time. So I am on Twitter. You will find me tweeting most often at Laura Heffernan Books. Okay. Um, because that's that's me. I've had that account for years. Ada Bell is a fairly new personality. Um, if you want news and updates about the mystery stuff, that's um, I have at Ada Bell Books. 
but if you want to hear me ranting about politics and life and the constitution and, and talking about pop tarts then you're going to go to at laura heffernan books I also talk a lot about how Canadian candy is superior to to American candy in every way. It is so. It is so. What do you yes, want me to absolutely. send you? Caramel bars. Caramel no bars. way. <laughs> Chocolate covered cherries and caramel bars. So I have my sister-in-law send me. I, she, I, I joke that I have a dealer in Canada because my mother-in-law <laughs> and my sister-in-law will periodically just send me candy if they're sending something else to us. Oh, and nice. when we visit, absolutely i'll spend 50 bucks at the gas station like it doesn't even have to be the good candy <laughs> but it's all good candy it's canadian yeah, it's all better <laughs> we actually have a higher percentage of cocoa in our chocolate <laughs> there's very little wax <laughs> that public information i don't even know if that's public information yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh i i never knew what i was missing out until i met my husband he changed my life in so many ways (laughs) (laughs) as canadians we'll do that (laughs) they say it's colder here but wait till you warm up to us it's so good (laughs) completely different I've never heard that saying, but I like it. It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> I'm sharing it, but don't steal it. I'll make sure you always get credit. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, gosh. Okay. So definitely want to find more of you. www.adabell.com. A-D-A-B-E-L-L. There is a link there to sign up for my newsletter because I find that that is easier to send people there. And yeah, when you sign up, you'll get the first few chapters of Mystic Pieces for free. And um, the book, the first book is out. Uh, the second book, Scry's the Limit, is coming out on March 15th. Just when Allie thinks she understands her psychic powers, a new mystery puts them to the test. Life in Shady Grove is looking up. Allie's excited to start classes at Maloney U. She loves her job and her unrequited crush might be starting to turn into an actual flirtation. If only she could figure out how her sister-in-law died and help her brother move on, everything would be awesome. Then, Allie's academic advisor and favorite professor turns up dead. Professor Zim was one of the school's most beloved teachers. Who would want to kill her? The professor who could make tenure in her absence? The privileged student who hates having to retake the class? The rich girl who's determined to get an A at all costs? There's no shortage of suspects, but Allie's running out of time to find the killer before they find her. Oh my gosh. This has got like that Agatha Christie feel. The professor in this Prize the Limit is actually named after a friend of mine as a joke. <laughs> Could they piss she you off? It. Uh, she thinks <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> so. They just think people are just killed off like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I joke if my friends would be nice to me or they could wind up dead. <laughs> oh, I, I just want to say thank you very much for spending time with me today. And I really appreciate the time you took to, to be a, a featured guest of online for authors. I am happy to chat about candy and books anytime. Let me <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get Scooby-Doo in 